0: us to uh, stay with the theme that is for this month it's called faith and grace or is it grace and faith faith and grace either way i don't remember that but uh, it's an amazing topic it's an awesome theme to be talking about wonderful words unless of course you had a girlfriend by the name of grace or faith and they dumped you then you may have to overcome some things (laughs) while we're talking (laughs) <laughs> but otherwise, it's an awesome theme to be talking about, because how many of you know, grace and faith, you could say, are the power twins. They are New Testament power twins. You are saved by grace through faith. And I believe passage already talked to you about the various aspects of the different types of grace. You know, First uh, Peter chapter 4, I believe it's verse... 10 talks about the god of all grace how many of you know he is the god of all grace and that not only means all measure of grace there's measures of grace that you can tap into but there's all kinds of all different types of grace just as much and so there is the grace by which you are saved ephesians 2 verse 8 for by grace you are saved through faith. I would dare to say the whole church world uh, would recognize that they 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 know about the grace by which you are saved. But how um, you know there's a few more graces out there as well. There's the grace by which you are sanctified, you know, or set apart. How um, you know that's important, right? That you are set apart by the same grace. You know, you're no longer under the law but you are under under grace and we shared a little bit about that last night as well grace does not mean you know that you can get away with as much as you can grace really means that you want you have the motivation in you that you want to stay away from as many things as you possibly can amen it's not just a license uh you know just to do whatever you want to do. It's, it's a motivating force. It's a real power inside of you that will cause you to overcome sin. Right, we have already been taken out of the realm of darkness. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus, which literally means you're no longer, uh, you know, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but the grace of God, whoo, it saved you and it changed you into the righteousness of God. Amen. You have a new nature. Something on the inside wants you to overcome sin because. If words mean anything, Bible words mean anything, and I believe they do, if you are a new creation, it would mean that now you are stronger than sin. You're stronger than sickness and disease. You're stronger than depression. You're stronger than fear and everything that's attached to it. You're stronger than the devil himself. Did you know that? That's... Really what it means to become a new creature in Christ. And so that's the kind of grace that's working inside of you. Um, You know, there's more grace available right now than there's sin. For where sin abounds, grace, ooh glory to God, does much more abound. So there's more grace available today than there is sin. Amen. So you don't want to mess around with sin. You want to overcome it, but you can't do it by rules and regulations in the same way that the, in the Old Testament people were not able to keep the law. So laws and rules and regulations are not going to get the job done, but thank God, grace does. Grace will give you space to overcome. Amen. It'll just help you. Praise the Lord. So not only that, but we have the the grace by which you are strengthened. Paul experienced some strengthening grace when, you know, Jesus talked to him. He was dealing with the devil. You remember that? You know, for the second or, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter... Uh, Ten, he talks about there was a, uh, you know, there was the uh, devil, the, the 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 messenger of Satan to buffet him. Didn't say buffet him; it said to buffet him, <laughs> right? And you know, he asked the Lord three times that it might depart from him. And so, what did Jesus do? He gave him a word. Actually, what he did is he gave him a. Some, 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 some revelation knowledge regarding the grace of God. He's, for Jesus said to him, don't worry about it, Paul. I've given you grace to overcome. Yep. Right? My grace is sufficient more than enough for you. For in this weakness, you know, you're obviously you're dealing with some weakness. But in this weakness, I'm causing you to overcome because of the grace of God. Um, You know, that's very important. Not only that, but then you got the grace. I believe it's been explained by which you share. But really, you could say by which you prosper. Amen? There's grace available that will cause you to live above the... You know, above the measly standards of this world system. For you know, just Jesus, or Paul made this statement in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For, or First Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of God, uh, you know, that through his poverty, I'm kind of quoting it quickly. Uh, for, for, for you know the grace of God, though he was rich, talking about Jesus, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might be made, what's the next word? Rich. Very few Christians dare to say that, but it's in the Bible, and so you better say it. Amen. So you know the grace of God, though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. Well, when did that happen? It happened on the cross. At the same time, when Jesus became sin for us, He became sickness for us, He became poor for us, so that on the other side of the cross, in the resurrection, where we are now, we might be made the righteousness of God, we might be the healed, and we might we might be made rich. Praise the Lord. So that's our standing that we have. But then there's another type of grace as well. And that's the one that I'd like to zero in on because it's got to do with what do you want to do in this life? You know, what has God called you to do? I don't know how many people have over the years have asked me me this question. Uh, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And, uh, you know, so there is something to be said about it. I would dare to say that every person here, you're not just here to occupy a seat, but you'd like to do something for the Lord. Is that right? Amen. And so there are things that God has placed inside of you that if you're able to recognize that and you're able to express that, it's going to help you in what God has called you to do for him. Amen. And so that would be called, it's the grace by which you serve, or one way to explain it, it is ministry grace. And, you know, ministry grace, you can just uh, divide that up into different sections as well. Uh, most of you probably know Ephesians chapter 4, and, and let me just call this, this whole uh, hour, it's going to be called the grace code. I mean, you know, there's a building code. There's, there are certain rules that you've got to put in place if you want to build a building. You're going to have to put some things in place, right, in order for it to pass the building, the inspection of it so that everything is safe and sound and, you know, people can occupy the building without having to worry about it caving in on you. Amen. And there's a not only a building code, but how many? Of you know, we got a code in our physical body as well, called DNA. And you know, it's it's programmed in. Uh, it it has programmed you that you look like some people. You know, you look like your parents. You act a certain way, uh, and the whole bit. So in the same way, there's a building code. In the same way, there's DNA, a code in your physical body. There's a there's a church code, or or a grace code as well. There are specific things that God has placed inside of you that if you're able to locate that, if you're able to find that, it's going to help you in figuring out what God wants you to do. I don't know about you, but I would think that'd be very helpful. Again, I would dare to say most people who are here, you're not just here because you want to you don't have nothing better to do but you would like to serve the Lord in some capacity amen so let's talk about the grace code every believer you know you can read that right there every believer has been wired with a specific grace for ministry and it is specifically designed to build the church to build the church how many church builders do we have that's a good Number of you here. Well, what is, you know, what what's, what did Jesus say about the church, right? The first time he ever used the word church is found in Matthew chapter 16, I believe it is verse uh, 13. He asked his followers, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, you know, he said, Well, you know, or they uh, answered back and said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist or you know, Elijah or Jeremiah or some kind of a prophet. But then he made the statement, okay, that's nice, but who do you say I am? And then Peter piped up and he was, you know, the guy who spoke for everybody, I would imagine. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So what did Jesus do? He gave, you know, Peter had heard from heaven about Jesus, but Jesus had heard from heaven about Peter as well. Now those are the people you want to work with right you can only work with people that you've heard from heaven from amen like if you try to team up with other people because it looks good I mean they're nice looking or they got some money or whatever you know that might work for a little while but it's not gonna last you know you have to find yourself a partner that has heard from heaven about you otherwise otherwise it just doesn't work so Jesus had heard about Peter from heaven but Peter had heard about Jesus from heaven as well so he said to he said to jesus or he said to peter jesus said to peter you are blessed simon for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you but my father in heaven how many you know god can talk to you amen most people don't have any problem with prayer and praying to god but they get a little bit antsy a little bit nervous when you tell them you know what god all talks to me as well (laughs) amen so he had something to say about peter you are blessed Uh, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I say unto you that upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. I mean, you know, that's a very important statement. That's the first time that Jesus used the word church. And so every time when you see something or you see something written or mentioned for the first time, it falls. If you've ever gone to Bible school, you'll hear this. It's the law of the first mention. And that's always very important because it serves as a foundation for the rest of the times. So what did Jesus say about the church? Well, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So you can see from there that Jesus is a church builder. And I don't have any better sense. I want to join him. And I'm sure you're here, you want to join him as well. Now, in the same way that, you know, if you've ever built a house or you let somebody else build a house for you, you're dealing with a contractor, right? And I've talked to some, some contractors and, you know, they always will tell you, you know, like when they build a house for someone else, the guy that, is, that they're going to build a house for, he will pipe up and say, well, why don't I bring my hammer and just give you a hand? And the contractor will say, well, please do us a favor and stay home and keep your hammer where it's supposed to be. Isn't that right? So you probably want to pick up your little hammer. You want to, you know, pick up your drill and start doing what you think is good. And, you know, that's not always a bad thing. But, how you know, it'd be better to find out uh, what did God equip you with. Isn't that right? What did God equip you with? He gave you. He gave you some tools that you can use. And if you begin to use those tools, they will become very familiar to you after a while. uh, Because you begin to cultivate those tools and you will become a skilled builder. Am I making sense? So what are those tools? It's called grace. Praise the Lord. It's called grace. Now you find uh, different graces mentioned throughout the New Testament. You find in Ephesians. I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, He gave. Jesus gave. And they are, you know, what he gave really, if you see it in context in context they are a product of the ascension of jesus when he ascended the bible says he gave gifts unto men so they are not a product of when he was raised from the dead they are not a product of when he was crucified they are a product of when he was glorified when he was ascended when he ascended he gave gifts unto men now what did he do and he gave some apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers why did he give them he gave them for the perfecting of the saints what that's what the King James version will tell you but really it means for the equipping of the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry which is the King James once again says the edifying of the body of Christ but really the word to edify means to build the body of Christ Amen. So God has put in the church some gifts. The, you know, we call them the fivefold ministry. You call, you call them spiritual leadership gifts. And their role is not to do all the work, but to see to it that the work is being done by equipping and by training people. Does that make sense? By training people. Uh, to, by equipping them and training them so that they can do the actual work of the ministry, which is the edifying or the building of the body of Christ. So it, would it be wrong for us to expect, for us, for for ministry leaders to expect that the whole body of Christ is going to get involved in doing the work of the ministry? Such as healing the sick and raising the dead and working miracles and teaching and preaching all over the world. Amen. Sometimes we think, well, that's just the job of the fivefold ministry, the spiritual leadership. No, no, no. It's the job of the whole body of Christ. These signs, Jesus said, shall follow those who believe. Amen. And he goes on to list what those signs are. Uh, in my name, they will, they will cast out devils. Right, he, he, he didn't say these signs will follow the apostles and the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, it should follow them, but they should follow everyone who believes. How many believers do we have here today? Most of you. Praise the Lord. We'll give an altar call afterwards so you can join the group. <laughs> Amen. So your job is to see signs following you, such as Casting out devils, speaking with new tongues, laying hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. That's your job description. Praise the Lord. Then you can see a similar one mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. It talks about, and God has said first, uh, you know, and when he talks about said in the church, really it means layered. Right? God has put some layers within the church. Now, how many of you know that's a good way to build something? Right? You have to, first of all, build... If you want to build high, you're going to have to spend some time building a good foundation. Because the the more sound, the stronger your foundation is, the higher you're able to go. Amen? So it looks like the foundation takes a long time. You can see it when you're building a pyramid. The first row of bricks... Dear God, it looks like you're you're doing it for a long time. Amen. But it's safe. It's safe if you build that way. I've also seen people, they build a pyramid upside down. They just do it on one thing, on one gift that they have. And as they go, it gets wider and wider and wider. And after a while, they just cave because the pressure is too much. But if you build the pyramid the right way with the foundation, which is the longest time, if you spend some time laying all those bricks for a little while, then, yeah, it may seem like a long time. It may seem like you're never going to get to the end of it, but you do. And then you get to a new face, and then you lay the next row of bricks. It seems like a long time, but it's not as long. And you keep building, and you keep building, and you keep building higher and higher and higher. Amen. So God said in the church, there's kind of layered, first apostle, doesn't just mean rank, but it means the first layer, the foundation. First apostles uh, and prophets and teachers, right? They are kind of the the foundation. How many of you know that's important to have? Then he talks about, and after that. So not only do we have something first, but then we've got something after that as well. It doesn't mean that they're less important, but they are not quite as foundational. After that, you got miracles, then gifts of healings. Now these are all ministry gifts, amen? Some people say, well, they're the gifts of the Spirit. Yes they are, but they're not only that, they can also serve and function as ministry gifts. In the same way that you expect the pastor to show up on a Sunday morning, and don't you? Wouldn't it be strange if the pastor stays home? Right? The pastor could think, well, hey, I can stay home. Everybody else stays home every once in a while. But, you know, he's the pastor, so he can't stay home. If he stays home, you would think, there's something wrong here. There's something missing. You expect him to be there. Well, in the same way that you expect a pastor to fill the pulpit, why don't we expect for miracles to be there? Why don't we expect some of the gifts of healings? Because they are just as much a ministry gift as the pastor or the prophet or evangelist. Does that make sense? Miracles, gifts of healings, it talks about governments, it talks about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Yes, they are... Uh, They are classified and categorized under the gifts of the Spirit, but they can also serve as ministry gifts, and there's a greater anointing with them. Does that make sense? So, okay, so that's kind of the foundation that I'm laying for you. But then there's a whole lot of gifts mentioned as well in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read them to you because I believe these are gifts that, Every believer has. You have one of these gifts. It's, it's called a grace gift, you could say. And when you know your grace gift, it is going to help you become equipped. When you know where, where your grace is, as a matter of fact, you'll know where your place is. Right? Very helpful, right? Because so many people, they go through life and they just don't know where they fit. They try to fit here, they try to fit there, and it just doesn't always jive well. Thank God, He has given you some grace, and if you find your grace, then you'll know your place. I don't know about you, but I just find it very helpful. Because you want to be in the place where you fit, because it's, yeah, you think, I, I belong here. This is the place for me to be, praise the Lord. So this is what Paul said. Now notice he said this, you know, I don't have time to go through it all, but he starts out in Romans chapter 12, Uh, verse 3 he said and I say to you through the grace that is given unto me so sometimes it's very helpful just to stop and think okay what kind what type of grace is he talking about for I say through the grace that's been given unto me what grace is he talking about is he talking about saving grace well no is he talking about standing grace or strengthening grace no is he talking about grace for, for prosperity no he's talking about ministry grace I'm telling you through the ministry grace of an apostle, he says, I'm telling you this by my ministry grace, that to every man that's among you, you've been given the measure of faith. Now what's the faith for in that context? I don't have time to go through it all, but the faith in that context in Romans chapter 12 is for you to operate in those gifts, because they're in you. But they need to be expressed. And the only way that they can be expressed is when you got confidence enough that you give expression to them. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, on, your, on the screen it's written, uh, having then gifts. Now the word gifts is from the Greek word charis, where we get the word charismatic from. And it means Grace. The word charis in the Greek literally means grace. Having then gifts or graces differing according to the grace again. It says here, according to the grace that is given to us. So he's saying this, having then grace differing according to the grace. He mentions it twice. Now, the second time he uses the word grace, it's not charis, but it's charisma, which is the expression of that grace. So you've been given a grace, but it needs to be expressed. Amen? Having then grace, graces that are different according to the expression of the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to what? The proportion of faith, to the measure of faith. Of faith. With other words, the more you believe that grace is in you, the more confident you will be in exercising that grace. And that's your tool. That's your tool. So the more confident you are with your hammer, right? If that grace happens to be a hammer, then the more confident you are with that hammer, the more you're going to get done. The more confident you are with your drill bit, the more you're gonna get done. And the more confident people around you are also. Right? You don't have to worry. What are gonna do with that hammer? You know, he's asking you, could you maybe hold that nail for me? <laughs> if you don't have any confidence in the guy using his hammer, you might think twice. Amen. Can you put your finger there? I'm gonna make a hole there. You know, I'm going to use my drill. Can you put your finger there just for a nanosecond? If you don't have any confidence in the guy, you might not want to do that. But if everybody becomes confident in the grace that's been given to it, and it's according to the proportion of your faith, then guess what? After a while, you'll have a well-oiled machine. Everybody's doing what they're doing based on their grace. Does that make sense? So the first grace he's talking about here is whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Did you know that we've got people in the body of Christ, their job is to prophesy. Yeah. Now everybody can prophesy. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians tells us that you may all prophesy one by one. Everybody can prophesy. But then there are specific people who have this gift of prophecy and when they operate in it, there's an anointing on it that everybody is blessed by. Amen? Now, it's not the same as a prophet. Does that make sense? It's not the same as a prophet, but uh, a prophet can have this gift as well. Notice what the next one is. Or ministry. The word ministry means serving. Did you know that there are some people in the body of Christ, and they can serve who in an amazing way. They are the type of people, if, you know, if you, they, they will offer you a cup of coffee, and next year they will still remember you take one, one sugar and one cream. They don't have to ask you again, uh, I did it before, but what do you take again? They will know exactly, because they are anointed. That's another way to put it. If you have a grace, that grace is your anointing. Ever heard that word? Now, Paul doesn't talk much about anointing, but he does talk a lot about grace. It's the same thing. Amen. Or he who teaches on teaching. So we got teachers in the body of Christ. But there's different levels of teaching, right? You can teach because you know something. Right, you've experienced something, and now you can teach that because you've you've went through something and the word has proven itself to be true in your life. Now you are a very skilled teacher in that specific area. But then you can go another step or another, you know, you can measure it. Right? You sometimes you can go a step higher and you have this gift, the gift of teaching. But it's not the same as in Ephesians chapter four, where it talks about teaching gifts does that make sense to you amen now god taught me all of those things because when you deal with people over a period of time i mean you're 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 bound to run into some things right and you know there was a gentleman here who was who was working here and they've been here for a while doing a great job praise the lord but one time he came to me and he said to me i believe the lord wants me to no, no longer be here i'm still gonna use the church as a platform to uh to operate from but i believe he wants me to uh teach and go out into different parts of of the world and just be a be a teacher so what do you think he asked me and i thought about it all i said i'm not going to tell you exactly what i think at the top of my head give me an opportunity to pray about it i'm glad i said that because sometimes we give a, you know an answer that's off the top of your head and that may not be the right answer so I remember coming home and talking to Ingrid about it, because it just didn't sit quite, quite right. You know, it just didn't sit quite, quite right with Ingrid or with me. But, you know, sometimes you have to watch out, because you're the pastor. And when you're the pastor, you don't want to lose people. Is that right? You don't want, you don't want, you don't want to keep everybody here. And so when somebody says, I'm going to use the church, I'm going to travel from the church, or, you know, that could be, you know, you, want to, you may want to keep him here, right? Because it's more profitable for you. So you have to watch all of those things. And so, but we, we talked about it, and I remember, you know, England and I talked about it, and we thought, you know what? It just didn't sit right. It just didn't sit right. But, you know, we're not God. We're not trying to, you know, impose our will on, on other people. I don't think that that would be right. And so the next day, I, I spent some time early in the morning praying about it. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, yes, he said, there is a teaching gift in him. There is a teaching gift in him, but it is not according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the one which is read earlier on, but it is according to Romans chapter 12. And so if you tell him to be faithful with that gift, I will open up doors for him. But it's different. Does that make sense to you? So you, you have different levels of teaching. You can have You can become a teacher, according to Ephesians chapter 4. And that causes you to go around the world, right? And just teach. Just teach. I mean, you know, that's just what you do. But then there are people that have this kind of gift of teaching. And it's more for the local church. God has said in the church, right? And this is more for the local church. And so if you become good at it, praise the Lord, then you can become a very skillful teacher. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, then it goes on to talk about, um, in verse 8, or he who exhorts on exhortation. So these are the people who are the exhorter in our, in our group. This is a grace. This is a grace. How, how, many, how many of you could use some exhortation every once in a while? Somebody who comes along and just encourages you, say, man, you are doing an awesome job. You know, you deserve a pat on the back. you doing an amazing job. We need exhorters in our churches. Then it talks about he who gives. Now, again, how many of you know we should all give? Is that right? We should all give. But then there are people in the body of Christ, and they have this anointing to give. Now, if you, you know, how many of you know you cannot give what you don't have? So, so the same people who have an amazing anointing to give also have an amazing anointing to make money. They can make more money by accident than most people on purpose. And it's very nice to have. Amen. It's very nice to have. My dad who's not here, who's watching by satellite or by uh, live stream, I, b- I believe that, that he had, had, that, had that gift in him. Now before he was saved, he didn't have that in him. I know, because he was stingy. (laughs) Right? I mean, there's a lot of trouble in in our family over money because they're not here, so it's easy for me to talk about them. Because my mom was spending the money faster than my dad was able to make it. And then you have friction. I'm going to get it afterwards, I know that. but, But... I've noticed around the world, that's usually a problem around the world. That's not just in our household. But after he got born again, something, something happened to that man. Right? Because he came home and he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he gave his heart to the Lord. He gave his family to the Lord. He gave his business to the Lord. And he became a giver. Amen. He put, he put you know, there was, was one pastor who was... You know, he believed wrongfully fired from his job. He helped him out. He put him on his payroll for a period of time until he was back on his feet again. I mean, you know, that's very nice. That helps the church. That builds the church. Are you out there? Amen. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is grace for, for ministry? Grace for ministry, you could say it this way, it's a supernatural Talent that will cause you to function on a level of competency that the world is not familiar with. Amen. How many of you know you have have a talent? You're born with a talent. Everybody here is born with a talent. If you say, I don't have a talent, really what you're telling me is I have not discovered yet what my talent is. But you are born with the talent. Some people have the amazing gift that you can just draw. Other people can sing. Then some real weird people, they have the a talent. They can do math. <laughs> right? I remember people, you know, back in high school, I remember people. They could actually have a conversation with the teacher. Right, they were talking a total different language than I was familiar with. I had no idea what they were talking about. The teacher would walk in in math class, and he would say, "Good morning." That's the only thing that I understood that whole class, <laughs> right? Because he'd be talking, and this guy would actually talk back, and you know, they'd be talking to one another about this, this problem, this problem. And I remember, you know, <laughs> I remember saying something just just off the cuff. Right Because that's just who I am, just said something off the cuff, and the whole class, this little, the girl in front of me, she fell on the floor laughing so hard. The whole class laughed. I had no idea why they were laughing, because I just said something that I thought was kind of a smart smart comment. It was, but they were laughing, but I had no idea why they were laughing. so I didn't get my own joke. <laughs> that's how bad I was at math. I didn't even get my own joke. <laughs> so obviously, I'm not talented. In that specific area. But I'm talented in other areas. Languages, I do well. <laughs> Amen. hoo, he's right. All right, so, but now that you're born again, in the same way that you're born with the talent, you are now born again with a supernatural talent that will cause you to function on a level of competency that the world is not familiar with. All you gotta do is figure that one out. All you got to do is figure that one out. Now, you cannot discover the talent. Did you know that? There is no career day in the kingdom of God. <laughs> you can't just go, you know, to church and say, you know what? I'm going to be that one. Uh, let me see. There's a whole list. I'm, I think I'm going to be the apostle because I like to travel. <laughs> you can't. You <laughs> can't. Amen. You know, those things have been predetermined for you. Amen. So you can't even, e- e- even discover it. You're going to have to give God the opportunity to reveal that to you. Does that make sense to you? All right. So it's a supernatural talent. That will cause you to function on a level of competency that the world is not familiar with. Secondly, it could be called an anointing, like what you said. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus made this statement. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, that same anointing is on you. You may not have the full anointing like Jesus had, but you have a measure of that anointing. Amen. You've got the same job description as Jesus has, and even though you may not have the same measure, because he had the he had the he had the measure or he had the Holy Ghost without measure, you could not measure it. He had the fullness of it. You have a measure of it. Amen so you can't say well i only got a measure so i cannot really do a whole lot well no you put that measure to work and you'll see amazing things that the lord will do through you does that make sense to you amen the works jesus said that i do you shall do also and even greater works than these you shall do because i go to my father he went to the father didn't he he became glorified and he didn't leave us as orphans. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send someone of the same, in the same kind, the same type, in my place. He's going to come to you. He'll show you things to come. And he said, that's the reason why you will do greater works than these, because I go to the Father. Praise the Lord. So we are left with the greater works. Not only that, but like we just read, it's also a function, right? This grace that you have will cause you to operate or to function as a, 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 in a very specific, designated way. Amen. Like, for instance, if you're the hammer, right? If you're the hammer in the body of Christ, that's what you do. You're hammering, <laughs> right? And that's what you do the whole time. And if you are the hammer, then guess what? It also functions as a filter in your life. Because if you're the hammer, then everything in your life that comes to you will look like a nail and you want to hit it like a nail that's that's just the way it is so you gotta you have to learn to work with other people because not everybody is a hammer like you are so you can't fix everything with a hammer is that right? sometimes you have to read the manual (laughs) right? some people you know when it's not working they want to get a bigger hammer other people said let's read the manual and see what it says so different things for different people because you are graced different. Now notice what Paul said, Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. I believe it's very helpful. He said this to the church in Rome. Now keep in mind the church in Rome is not one that he started, right? He, he didn't start it, but yet he had a voice in that church. And he said, that, he said that's the reason I'm talking to you uh, uh, by my grace, by the grace that I have. He said, for I long to see you that I may what impart unto you some spiritual gift again the word gift literally means grace he says that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift or grace to the end that you may be established so when Paul went to a church he didn't just go to the church in order to preach a good message, be taken out for lunch and get an offering. You know, he went there because he wanted to see something imparted. Now, what happens when something becomes imparted to you? Would you agree with me? It becomes a part of you, right? It becomes, becomes such a part of you that now you think a certain way. Is that right? you think a certain way when something becomes a part of you now you act a certain way you think a certain way you act a certain way you express yourself a certain way so that's what Paul says I am come I want to come to you I long to see you that I may impart something to you what is he gonna impart some spiritual grace so Paul went to churches to impart ministry grace to people what for well for this purpose so that they might become established the word established is from a greek word and i'm not trying to impress you with greek you know i have a really good concordance you know that's what i use and i just remember it that's all i do i'm not a greek scholar but i i'm become mighty slick with the concordance especially with with your ipad i mean all i do now is just You don't even have to press a number anymore. You just press the word and the Greek comes up and the Hebrew comes up and makes you look real smart. (laughs) But but really this word, you know, strength or maybe established comes from a Greek word, sterizo, where we get the word steroid from. We get the word steroid from that word. And, uh, well now you know what steroids are like. How many of you know that they are not legal in the, in the Olympics or in the, in, in sports? You cannot use steroids. Why? Because it would give you an unfair and disproportionate advantage over others. Is that right? If you use steroids, it would give you an unfair and disproportionate advantage over other people. So it's not legal but in the body of Christ it is perfectly legal and it is highly encouraged that you are on these spiritual steroids amen that's the reason why I'm saying because it will it will cause you to function on a level of competency that the world is not familiar with. That's why we ought to have the best choir, the best singers, the best people working in the video, the best people working on the audio, the best people, because if you do it according to grace, praise the Lord, then you can develop that grace in such a way that you become a very skilled person. Now, would you say, you know, if you learn to operate that way in the body of Christ, don't you think that would help you outside of the body of Christ as well? Amen. But really, really and truly, it is meant for you, for, first of all, for you to build the church. Amen. It's really meant for you to build the church. So, really, when, you know, like I started to say, when you know your grace then you will know your place now i added a few things to it because it rhymes (laughs) and if you know that you're able to run your race until you see him face to face amen but the biggest thing that i want to say if you know your grace then you will know your place now if you find your place in the body of christ that's your wealthy place amen that's where things begin and i'm not just talking about finances it would certainly include finances but it would include Things, you know, that's that's where things become begin to flourish. That's where you begin to flourish as a as an individual. That's where you begin to prosper and where you begin to bud as a believer. You know, Psalm sixty six verse twelve, you've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out into a wealthy place. How many of you know God wants you to find your wealthy place? Amen. But it begins with with the body of Christ, with a local church. Is that right? You know, like everything that Paul said, really, if you read it all, you know, you can sometimes see he's talking about the universal church. Everybody's a part of the universal church. But where it really counts is where, where where the rubber meets the road is when you learn to operate inside of a local church. Amen. I don't know how how many people I've had. Like I remember, you know, one time a lady came came up and wanted to sing next week at the Christmas uh, program that we had. Well, I've never seen her, never heard her sing, you know, but she felt called, she felt led to come up and sing a Christmas special. And uh, so I just uh, didn't want to say no, but I said, well, well, you know, we'll talk when we see you. Because most of the time they won't show up anyway, and sure enough, they didn't show up. But I asked her, you know, uh, like, where's your church? Like, do you have a church? Well, no, she said, I'm a minister, you know, in the Universal Church. That's what she said. I'm minister at the Universal Church. So I wanted to say, well, why don't you find a platform there? Because <laughs> there is none, right? So it's easy. It's easy to say, well, you know, brother John, we ought to be kingdom builders, right? That's true, but it's a little vague, right? Because we got a lot of Kingdom builders out there who are really doing their own thing, right? They don't want to be accountable to anybody. They don't want to be accountable to anybody. So where it really begins to function, and I'm going to close with this as well with a story, is when you know how to become a part of a local church, where you're accountable to someone. You know, it's great, you know, the people here, uh, you know, you you can become part of a team. Right? Sometimes it's great to become part of the of a, of a Bible school so you can get some more knowledge. It's great to be part of a team so that you can experience some accountability. You have to learn to submit to someone. Oh, all those nasty, nasty, nasty words that everybody's trying to get away from. But it's in the church, and it's not a bad thing. It is a good thing because, you know, it's just going to shape you into into such a type of a being that you can handle things you can create things you're an inventor you can do stuff amen because you're you're graced but not only are you graced you know how to work with other graces within the body of Christ amen now you know uh, i i don't remember if i if i just read it to you but one of the graces that is listed in this bunch in Romans chapter 12 is called um, ruling. He who rules, let him rule with diligence. Now, one way to explain that ruling really means, you know, someone who organizes things. And back in the day, you know, when I first started pastoring, I was really the associate pastor. I didn't know anything about these kind of gifts. You know, people would call me pastor. Uh, and because I functioned as a youth pastor, as a young adult pastor, as an associate pastor, so I didn't know anything about these kind of gifts. And the Lord helped me to see some some things during that time. Because I was working as an associate pastor under a pastor. Is that right? Does it make sense to you? As a matter of fact, when we came on, when we came from Bible school, uh, they approached us, would you be willing uh, to come on staff? With, with us. We didn't really have to pray about it because the Lord already told us, while we were at Bible school, that's where you're going to start. We were trying to not start there, but that didn't work. So <laughs> so we knew that we were, we were going to go to this church. And, uh, you know, so, and we just kind of talked with the board and we told them, well, would it be, and, and they told us, you know, your job is to be the associate pastor, be the youth pastor, really do everything that the pastor does not want to do. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, when the time comes, when the time comes, you know, he will want to move on and then you can take over eventually as the senior pastor. That's what they told us and that's what they hired us for. And so I asked them, you know, would it be okay? Because if that's going to happen the way you're talking to me, would it be okay if we start to implement some of our own vision already so that we don't have a brand new start, you know, when the time comes? Would it be okay? And they said, well, yeah, of course, that'd be okay as long as it doesn't cause a conflict of interest with what we're already doing. No, no, that makes total sense to me. So everything is going real fine. And, uh, you know, we were there for, you know, about... By this time, about three years or so, I believe. And then this gentleman, he came, this pastor came. We had meetings on Tuesday mornings, and we would just pray and just talk about what we, what we see, what we're going to do during the week. And then he asked, we, he mentioned something. Would you and Ingrid pray about this? And it had to do uh, with the future of the church. And I said, sure. And I took it home with me. I remember driving home thinking, I don't really need to pray about it because I already know what the answer is. Because, you know, the Lord already talked to us about what the future of the church looks like because he gave us a vision a vision for that so but to honor him you know we said well let's just pray about it because maybe maybe it's different than what we know maybe you know we just see everything uh not the, not the right way so England and i prayed about it and sure enough what we had seen before you know that's what we saw even stronger that's this is the future for the church and so we went back the next week uh, the next Tuesday, and we had a meeting and the pastor asked me, did you pray about it? I said, yes. Well, what did the Lord say? Well, so I told him what Ingrid and I saw as the future of the church. And he said, no, he said, I don't have that in me at all, at all. He said, you know, I am, you know, I, I see it this this way. And it was just almost, you could say, the opposite of what we had in mind. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you're, you're, you're human. You probably couldn't, you probably missed it because I am sure I, I am so sure that what we heard is the right thing. And if we heard the right thing, that means that you must not have heard the right thing. <laughs> so now I asked him, you know, would you mind praying about it for another week? You know, could we pray about it for another week so that when we come back, you know, we can talk about it again. And hopefully, you know, in brackets, under my breath, hopefully this time you will actually pray about this. Right? You know what we're like. Well, maybe this is just me. And so the next week came by and I brought it up. Did you you know, did you pray about it you know, this past week about the future of the church? He said, yes. And uh, so what did the Lord say? Well, he was even more dug in than ever. And we were even more dug in than ever as well. We just knew that this is the future for the church. So what did we do? I remember he left and what I normally would do is I go around the church, just around all the chairs and just pray. Just pray, pray in tongues. Ooh, glory to God. How many of you know that's really helpful, really powerful. And the more I prayed, you know, the more I'm thinking, well, I don't know. You know, maybe I thought to myself, well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the time that I got to leave and do something else. Because I always knew deep down in my heart, I'd be starting over again someplace. Well, it's not someplace. I always knew we'd be starting a church right here here in Red Deer, which we always knew. So I'm thinking about it, and I thought, well, you know, that sounds nice, but it just doesn't really sit, sit well. If I have to, that's what I'll do, but it doesn't sit right. So I'm praying, and I, I ask the Lord, Lord, what's the answer? What's the answer here? So this is what the Lord said. He said, as long as you are the associate pastor, your job is to submit yourself to him. I thought I had. I thought I was. I'm finding out I I was not submitted to him. I was just in agreement with him. And since we never had any disagreements, I thought I was in submission. Now comes the time for me to submit to him and I want to run. First thing I want to do is run, divide, split, you know, give up and say, let's go somewhere else. Let's do something else. So as long as you're the associate pastor, he said, your job is to submit yourself to him. And your job is to help fulfill this man's vision. Let go of your own vision. He said, don't even put it on a back burner. Don't even think about it. Your job is to help fulfill this man's vision. And so I wanted to say I rebuke you. But I... (laughs) Because I'm thinking that's the devil, (laughs) but the more I prayed about it, just the more I knew that is the Lord. And and I tell you what, that was hard, right? Some people say submission is easy. It's not. It's very, very. It's hard on your flesh because you're now sub under someone else's mission. My job is to help fulfill this man's vision. So now I'm mad. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at him. I'm mad at my wife for whatever reason. Just mad at everybody. Ever felt that way? You know, something doesn't go your way. You're just mad at the whole world. And so I just blurted out. I said, Lord, I don't even know what the man's vision is. I don't even know what his vision is. He's never told me his vision. He said, well, I'll tell you. So he told me. (laughs) Very simple, right? His vision is to take the word outside of the four church walls outside of the church, outside of the four church walls, and do evangelistic meetings. And my job is to help him do that. I said, Lord, I already have a full-time job. So now you want me to do my job and his job? Do you know that I'm going to be very busy? And so I started doing it because, you know, that's what the Lord wanted me to do. So with a negative attitude, I started out. But at least I did it. Right, I asked him, "Would you like to have an? Would you like to do an evangelistic meeting?" He said, "Sure, hey, that'd be great, wouldn't it be?" I, well, I think so. <laughs> so we, we did an evangelistic meeting in the area. Right, I mean, I did it with a bad attitude the whole time. I would phone the pastors. Right, we we're going to do an evangelistic meeting over in this and this place. You know, you're invited. <laughs> I made all the cold calls to people I knew. You know, we're going to do an evangelistic meeting. I didn't say it that way, but we're going to do a meeting with pastor so-and-so. Uh, if you'd like to come, great. In brackets, if you don't like to come, I don't care. <laughs> so I keep doing it. I had to do all the advertising. And the more, the more I'm doing it, the more I'm thinking to myself, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? I do all the work. I do all the work. All he needs to do is show up, preach a nice little message, gets the offering, gets all the glory, and I go home having done all the work, I get nothing. And the thing that I greatly fear and prophesied came upon me. Because that's exactly what happened. I did all the work. All the work. I went to the building, you know, set up. I had to clean up. And you know that's a lot of work, right? If you do this. Plus your own regular job in in ministry as well and so now I'm I'm, I'm finding myself really 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 busy now and uh, you know and so sure enough uh, you know the meeting came I'm in my mind I'm thinking well if maybe 15 or 20 people show up I'd be surprised you know but at least I can let them know Lord well you know Lord you know I tried obviously it's not working but I got there and the building was packed I said how is this possible how is this possible how is this possible? Most of the time you put all the effort in and you're excited. Come on, you know, we're going to have a great meeting. This time I said, you know, you want to come, great. even though that's fine. Oh, fine with me too. I don't really care. I didn't say it that way, but that's kind of the attitude that I had. Now the building is packed, or packed means about 80 or 90 people, but still it was really packed out. And, uh, you know, so I was able to do what I was doing. And, uh, you know, so sure enough, you know, my job is to lead present worship, introduce him, and I, and I did, and he preached a message, and you know what? Uh, people came forward to get born again, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be healed, to get a touch from the Lord. You know what I saw? When I saw that my heart broke. My heart broke, because you know what? That was, that was the old man that I had seen. You know, I was attracted to him because of that evangelistic anointing. And I hadn't seen it for four years, I had kinda of grown used to him the way that he was, but there was an anointing in him, there was an anointing on him, an evangelistic anointing, and it began to work again. And it was a great, great meeting, I had fun. But I repented, I said, Lord, that's awful the way that I handled this, I'm gonna, give me another chance and I'll do it again, I'll do it with a glad heart. So afterwards I asked him, would you like to do it again? "Yes." <laughs> so we did it again I asked him again would you like to do it again he said yes I said would you like to do it again yes and we kept going I was able to have a little youth band a little band that we took all over the place we had a, we had a wonderful time he got to the place he liked it so well he said why don't you take the church I'm going to do this that's what I was looking for the whole time see I'm, look, I'm waiting for him to give it away to give it over I'm thinking to myself what have I got to do do I have to shoot you <laughs> what do I have to do to get you out of the way? But grace, you know, grace causes you not to shoot someone. <laughs> grace will cause you to do something that's gracious, right? You work with the Lord and you work with people. And guess what happens? The The Lord opens up the door because He makes way for grace. Amen. But what I learned during the time, because I because I became submitted to someone. If I had not done that, if I had gone my, my own way, thinking, well, you know what, I guess this is the time for us to do something else. You know, maybe we would have been able to do what we're doing now. But it certainly would have not not have been to the same extent. Because during that time I learned something about me that there was one of these graces operating in me, the, the grace of or, organizing something, events, and whatever else is, is, is out there. If you would have told me back then, you know, you're going to be an organizer, I would have laughed at your face and said, have you ever seen my desk? <laughs> Amen. I'm not an, an organized person that way. But, you know, when you have a grace to do something, it's a supernatural talent. That you can do things with in a supernatural way. So now, usually what I do, and we don't have time for it, but you know, usually what I do is in the same way that Paul laid hands on Timothy, and you know, and and it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He said, Neglect not the gift, Timothy. He said, Neglect not the grace that's on you through the laying on of my hands and the hands of the presbytery. You know, so obviously something was imparted to Timothy. Later on he told Timothy, stir up the grace, stir up the gift that's in you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So obviously things get imparted to us and you got to stir it up. So I don't have time. I don't, I didn't even ask uh, in any way, you know, if I could do this. So I'm not going to do that. But I can tell you this, there are ways that you can stir up the gift. That's on the inside of you. Amen. There is something brewing inside of you. There's a grace that's operating in you that wants to come out. Amen. If you don't know what it is, just begin to ask the Lord. What's my, how did you equip me? What's, what's in me? What motivates me? You can ask that question. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let-